Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing The Viscount Who Lived Down the Lane by Elizabeth Boyle. This was published in 2014 and is the fourth book in the Rhymes with Love series. And you can check out all three and a half previous books uh, on our podcast. We have reviewed them all. So all of the other previous books were based on a fairy tale or a nursery rhyme. Is this one Baba Black Sheep? Maybe. I don't know. What is what is the Viscount who lived down the lane? Who what lived down the lane? The, in Baba Black Sheep, the little boy lived down oh, the, the lane. Oh, the little boy lived down the lane? Little, yeah, I guess one so. One for the little boy who lives down the lane. Yeah. But there's nothing in this about sheep? No, there's nothing in it about sheep. There's nothing about like There's no three bags of anything. And so I don't know if like there's another fairy tale about some Thing who lives down the lane I don't that think I'm so. missing or forgetting. It's a cute title. It is, but I I liked the early ones, the real yeah tie in to the fairy tales, and this one definitely doesn't have it. No, I don't. There's not like a fairy tale connection, unless I'm missing something. I mean, you could argue he's the black sheep, but he's really not. Like he was. Those are the the three bags. Are the three men, Tuck. Pearson and Brody. Po not Brody. Po po Pokey? <laughs> Porgy? I forget his name. What is his name? Pody. Pody. <laughs> Porky. Pody. No, um, those are the, okay, that's a stretch, Meg. That's a real stretch. I thought you were about to say something actually revelatory, and it was not at all. So Sorry. Thank you for that. I tried. You, I tried you for you. I tried so hard. <laughs> Alrighty, so, uh, the book jacket. She has no desire for love. As she arrives in Mayfair, Louisa Tempest is horrified when her incorrigible cat bolts from the carriage and dashes into a neighbor's house, where she comes face to face with the reclusive Viscount Wakefield. But even more dismaying than his foul temper is the disarray in which she finds his home. Convinced his demeanor would improve if his household were in order, Louisa resolves to put everything to rights until she meets the Viscount who lives down the lane. Much to his chagrin, Wakefield finds it impossible to keep the meddling Louisa out of his home, invading his daily life with her improvements and his nights with the tempting desires she sparks inside him. Wounded in the war, he's scorned society ever since his return, until Louisa opens the door to his heart and convinces him to give love a second chance. The first paragraph, I think, is, is, is cute and fine and describes the book really well. Yeah. The second... I mean, it's, this is such a trope. He's just the Napoleonic war hero who came back wounded and with survivor's guilt to a T, and that's his whole character. I mean, that is, that is him. So I, as I read his character, I was like, these are, this is so, these are so many heroes. There are so many heroes who are Wakefield. Yes. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, he's not a bad character. No, and it's not, this does not fall into, like, the tropes we hate. Like, he is not a bad guy. He is not, he's a little gruff, but it's chalked up to PTSD pretty explicitly in the text. Mm -hmm. You know, he's never stolen or committed crimes or like he and he's just a full recluse he's got such bad survivor's guilt like yeah. that's really his defining character trait 
And everyone thinks he was thrown over by a woman and that's the problem. Yep. But the real problem is that he survived his bestie. Yeah. Pody. Yes, Pody. He's, he's so this is this is an interesting this is an interesting setup. It takes a while for it to come out. But Wakefield or Pearson. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm looking. Like, we're together, and Lane gave me a look. <laughs> no, I was like, no, his name is Pearson. It was just a listening face. It wasn't a look. <laughs> we're not used to being in person. No. <laughs> so Pearson and his two best friends all decided to enlist together. So one of his friends, Pody, and then his other friend, Tuck, they've all got these Etonian nicknames that you have no idea where the heck they came from. They don't make any sense. Maybe they're going to get explained in the next book, but they don't get explained in this one. Anyway, they all go together, but Tuck backs out at the last minute. He says he loses his money in a, at a gambling hell or something like that. And so just Pody and Pearson go over to Spain, and then Pody dies defending Pearson. Um, he, gets, he jumps in front of a bullet for him, basically. And so when Pearson returns to London, he just disappears into his house, into a bottle of whiskey, and has not connected with Tuck until this book, actually. He also has sort of let his estate go to ruin. Mm-hmm. Most of his employees have left. He hasn't replaced them. There's a really weird scene in the beginning where it turns out his cook has secretly been stealing from him and is part of a criminal gang that Louisa met earlier in the series. That Louisa foils. And- but... And yeah, and then it sort of goes nowhere. So I thought that whole part was really interesting. I'm wondering if it's going to show up again later. I'm sure it will. But anyway, that's that's his backstory. So yeah, as Lane says, his whole character is just struggling with survivor's guilt. I think we've jumped to tropes before we even did our random number summary. But that's like the big trope is the guy, the hero who's returned wounded from not Waterloo, but from the Peninsula Campaign. I put Napoleonic. Yeah. There. So. It worked. All right. So random numbers. This week, the random number we generated was 16. So Meg, what is your 16 word summary? The only thing that can save this hot nobleman from his drunken stupor, a managing miss. Yep. Um, yep. So we both used the same adjective for her. <laughs> In our summary. <laughs> what is it? Tell me yours. Uh, drunken recluse is brought out of hiding by a managing and reluctant debutante and her cat. Yeah. Nice. I did love the cat stuff. I'm now a cat person. Now that you're a cat person, you like the cat stuff more? Yeah. Because I was like, of course she had to. Because everyone's like, why did you bring this horrible cat with you from Kempton? And I was like, uh, duh. She can't leave her cat in Kempton. I just got back from vacation and I was gone long enough that I didn't want to leave my cat alone because I live alone so I didn't want him to be by himself so I put him in a backpack and took him on the metro and took him to my cousins and then the day I got back I went on the metro and I picked him up and I put him in his backpack and I brought him home and everyone is staring at me on the metro like that's a cat in a backpack and it's like well where am I going to leave him what else am I supposed to Mm -hmm. look at least he wasn't in a hat box like Louisa put um they didn't make cat backpacks back in 19 whatever I, I cannot blame her for putting him in a hat box well, a picnic basket, I think, is the trope, Oh, you're right? right. I think it is a picnic basket after all. But that's the trope, right? Because it's got the lid. Mm-hmm. They can poke their head out. They're usually made of wicker, so there's, like, air holes. They're so cute. They're adorable. And you got, like, the kittens popping out of the picnic basket. Looking it's- out. I know. 
It's adorable. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, gosh. So this is Sunshine Grown. Thank you. Um, I couldn't remember what the trope was called, so I wrote Susie Sunshine and Mr. Mopey. I like Susie Sunshine and Mr. Mopey. I think that's going to be Sunshine Grown from now on for us. I, just, I love that I couldn't come up with a real thing, so I came up with something really long. <laughs> but yeah, she's, she's very much the everything will look better in the morning. Everything would look better if it was organized. You know, always smiling, always looking on the bright side immediately sees through his veneer and wants to help him no matter how mean he is to her. Uh-huh. And he does... He's pretty mean. He's pretty mean. He doesn't, like... He, he, he doesn't say anything cruel. Although right. he says, like, get out of my house. He screams and loses his temper and is visibly enraged. Yes. But, but yeah, he's not cruel to her. Yes. In word choice. In word choice. I... I could, I could believe that she could see through it. That's yes. what I'm saying. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she and her sister are um, overdue for making their debuts because this is sort of, this was the thing that annoyed me the most in the book. Secret that they're both thinking but not articulating. Apparently her mother had some sort of colored checkered past. And so her father was never able to bring her out. So her mom's best friends decide to, but one of them died. So it was like 18 months past her death that the other friend and the husband end up teaming up to give them their debut. So they're overdue debutantes, which I think is a trope. And they are wearing the sins of their mother. Yes. As they go about making their introduction in society. Yes. I found it a little hard to believe that... It went down the way it did? The, with the letters from, the, from beyond? With the letters from beyond, but also with, like, this clearly wasn't a secret. Right. Like, I'm a little surprised that the people helping them make their debut weren't more prepared. Yeah, there was that. There was also, I've, I felt, because you, I think you're supposed to get the impression that this, their godmother, who has passed on, was actually very interested in their lives and, you know, maybe corresponded with them. Mm -hmm. But they didn't know she had passed on. And then also, if she meant to bring them out, why didn't she do it before she died? Although I guess she might have been ill. I, it, it wasn't very deeply delved into. No. Either the relationship between the women that led them to have such a close bond that they were willing to bring each other's daughters out and the circumstances that befell them or the circumstances surrounding the great scandal and how that's affecting the girls in the present day. Like all of that felt very undelved into. Yes. So Louisa, who is the heroine of this book is a reluctant debutante. She does not want to come out. She wanted to stay. So she always assumed, you may remember that Kempton is this town that has a reputation for only having spinsters. So mm -hmm. the women who are born in Kempton never marry. And so Louisa has sort of embraced this idea. She also knows about the scandal in her past. So she's like, well, this is all for the best anyway. I'll stay in Kempton. It'll be fine. And as a result of that, she's essentially sworn never to marry. Right. Not full-blown, I will never dig my heels in. I like, have no interest no matter what. 
he's a little bit that way. Yeah. But she sort of accepted that matrimony is not in her future and is fine with it. Yeah, and she's been she's been fine with it. And she's uh, she's a little frustrated with her sister for making her come all the way to London, spend all this money when she thinks, you know, it's all for naught. Yes. And she's also, as we said, the owner of this cat, who is known as Hannibal, who is fully satanic. Yeah. Uh, is known for not just the typical bad cat behaviors that are actually good, like dead mice around the house and that sort of thing, but attacks, runs away, sneaks into neighbor's property, runs at high speeds and knocks stuff over all the time. Like, is just a hellion. And he takes to Pierce yes. right away. Oh, right away. Sleeps in his bed. So evil cat who can sense good people, who's sort of validating both in terms of the cat taking to him, but also the behavior she witnesses him display, like being nice to the cat. Right. It's part of why she's able to see through his veneer so quickly. Yes. There is also a little bit of clumsiness as a character trait. So both Lavinia and Louisa, they're these twins, and they uh, break things all the time. Yeah. They can't dance. I think a lot of Louisa's clumsiness is really Hannibal's by extension. Yes. But they're known throughout Kempton as being pretty destructive. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell. In the earlier books, they were definitely destructive. In this one, they sort of just came off as more unrefined. Yeah. But they're, they're constantly being told, even by their friends, like, you know, just walk straight and you'll be fine. <laughs> and they're, they're not. They cause quite a few scandals by not um, being able to stay upright. Yeah. Whoops. Um, and he's, as we said, a recluse. So obviously any and all romantic grand gestures from him involve leaving the house before noon or in fancy dress. I have to admit that I liked them a lot. Yes. <laughs> I mean, look. Just because it's a trope doesn't mean we don't like it. Right. And, you know, if, you're, if you are going to set up the reclusive hero, like, yes, I want the payoff of him leaving the house to save the girl. Sorry. Definitely. I want it. And I got it. It's good. I really liked them. Yeah. Through the first, like, 85% of this book. Yeah. I really, sometimes I find Sunshine Grump a little bit like, okay, I really just don't see how these characters are into each other. Mm -hmm. I got it here. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I could see why they liked each other. I could see why she was willing to overlook his grumpiness. I could see that this really was bringing him out of his shell. Someone who wasn't aware of his past, mm -hmm. right? Because you get the feeling that all the rest of his family, like they want him, they want to do their best for him, but they're so aware of what he's gone through that they don't know how to deal with him. And because she doesn't know what has happened, she can kind of cut through that bullshit. Yeah, I also really liked, and this is just praise to Elizabeth Boyle, this definitely got into Louisa uniquely with kind of her simple country sensibility and lack of tact, was able to do what no traditional society London debutante could without being at all not like the other girls TM. Yes, yes. Yes, exactly. You, you got the feeling that it just happened to be Louisa. You know, she's a wonderful person. It's, it's her combination of traits, but it wasn't that she wasn't a London society miss. Right. Yes. 
And I really appreciated that. I think too often this trope turns into Sunshine Grump. Sunshine is not like any other girl. Well, and Sunshine is sort of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And which, that is not the case here. It was a Louisa is not that. She's not like whimsical. She's very practical, down to earth. You know, she goes to her house and she doesn't think, I'm going to clean this up to cheer him up. She thinks, man, this place really needs a cleaning. <laughs> you know? Which... Sorry I fired your cook because he was a pirate. Guess I'll get another one for yeah. you. <laughs> and I have to say that I really like this kind of heroine. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I'm not like that. Like, I don't go to someone's house and think, I could wash their windows for them. <laughs> I wish that I had a heroine like this in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it would be really nice. But no, I, I agree with you, though. I like especially historical romance heroines with a dash of practicality. Yes. I think especially because they're, this is, you know, a wider thing with the genre, but they're often so young. Right. That a little bit older, not world weary, but a little bit more able to take care of themselves and others. Yeah. Is a lot more fun to read. Yeah. For me. No, absolutely. And also I think the fact that she is so optimistic and slightly Pollyanna-ish mm -hmm. helps. It, it's leavened by the fact that she's so practical. Yes. Um, she's not naive. Right. And I think that's what keeps this book grounded for me. Yeah. So I, I, I did like Louisa a lot. Same. I thought she was a great heroine. And Piers was a good match for her. Yeah. And he was a fun character. We've just read a lot of Piers. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking that it was very similar to um, The Duchess Deal. Mm-hmm. You know, like the scarred war hero stays inside all the time. Both great books that I really enjoy. Yes. Once again, not a criticism, but I think Louisa is definitely the standout character in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So the only thing that I didn't totally love about their relationship, it's fine. Like, it's such a romance novel trope. It was not more annoying here than it is anywhere else, but... Because he's this damaged, reclusive, survivor's guilted person, he decides that once he admits he has feelings for her, he needs to protect him, especially from himself. Yeah, because he's just going to drag her down into his darkness. And he's deciding what's best for her. And look, it doesn't last long, and Louisa is certainly not a character to take it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was just a little bit of, there's enough real conflict here. Yeah. With his PTSD and depression and unwillingness to get to know her and the fact that their families are sort of intertwined and she's got this drama that I sort of didn't need that final moment of conflict. Like the yeah. resolution of them admitting how they felt about each other was enough. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there were, so he doesn't ever come out and say, they actually don't ever come out and say what they feel about each other mm -hmm. until the very end, which is. Made possible by a meddling uncle, which I loved. Yes. And once they actually admit to each other that they are in love with each other, we're okay. There's a, there is a final moment of conflict with the other woman. <laughs> which was... It was funny because... I actually like the way that played out. Yeah. I mean, I don't usually love other woman tropes. Louisa obviously is confronted by the other woman and flees because she doesn't want to be there anymore, but she's not mad at him. She no. doesn't fall for it. She doesn't. So I loved that. 
Like that final moment of conflict totally could have been like the yes. twist the ending moment. and would have right. been totally fine. We don't need him to do the, I will bring you down into my depths, my darling. <laughs> you will never escape. Your light will be snuffed out because of me. Even though we've had all the sex and it was glorious and you clearly are willing to commit yourself to me, I must free you from the prison of my life. <laughs> Nah, man, she's good. She's good. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to be free. And she's not, which is fine. But all that said, the very end, I really liked the proposal. I, I did too. I was so into it. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, there's this one little like 5% blip where I was rolling my eyes real hard at him. But overall, I really liked the arc of their relationship. I agree. All right. Did anything in this book offend you? Or is there anything you want to put out a trigger warning for? So... Uh, Nothing. I was not offended by this book. I didn't find anything difficult to read. So he does suffer from PTSD. It's very clear. Mm -hmm. And then there are some moments of sexual harassment based on her mother's behavior. So like Lane said, the sins of the mother now are in the present. They're verbal? Yes. Um, just to give some context, but basically once people put two and two together and realize she's her mother's child, some pretty harsh things are said about her character. Yeah. So like some slut shaming. Yeah. But not for her behavior. Right. Now, cause like she, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, but, but I think that I think covers it though. I think so. This, these, this series as a whole is very prototypical of Boyle. Yeah. Like there is some mention of heavy stuff, but on the whole, everything stays pretty lighthearted, yes. which I appreciate. Me I too. You know, I certainly like knowing what I'm getting into with a book and I feel like boils are always feel good for me. Yeah, I agree. And this hit that to a T in a moment I really needed it. Yep. All right. Sexiness. Well, this book is pretty sexy. I mean, Boyle knows how to write sex. Yeah. I could, I would not ever say no to more Boyle sex. This one, I feel like, was cuter yeah. than the previous books in the series. That's true. Like, a little more cute than sexy, which is fine. There was a carriage hookup. There was, and it was great. It was very sexy. And then there's a library hookup. Yep. So, I don't know what else you want from me, but they were very sexy. I also think it took a little longer for the sexiness to start in this one yeah. than I'm used to. That's true, because he's trying to keep himself away from her because he, he's a grump and he can't... If you're grumpy, you don't want to make out with people. Yeah. So, like, this is good sex. It's boil sex. I yeah. would not say within the boil canon, it stands out. <laughs> within the boil canon. <laughs> it's true. There, there's no... You're not lying. You're not lying. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet.